Howdy, everybody, and welcome to the BP Movie Journal, the show we do where we talk about the stuff we've seen since the last time we did one of these. I'm David. I'm Tyler. I'm sorry? Sorry, I'm Tyler. I got a little hitch in my throat there. I'm just so emotional, David. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, because this is the, I know why you're so emotional. This is the first time in a while that we're doing one of these only one week after we last did one. I know, it's so we have We have like so few movies because lately we've been taking two to four weeks in between movie journals. I, w- I was thinking like, because I only have one movie to talk about, and admittedly an entire season of a TV show, but uh, I only have one movie to talk about, and I was like kicking myself. I was like, Tyler, you got to get with it, man. And then I thought like, wait, no, hang on. It's only been a week. <laughs> How very exciting. It's a bit more forgivable. Um, so I, uh, I'm just going to jump in. Okay. Um, you remember last week I talked about a movie that I absolutely loved called uh, The Witch Who Came From the Sea. Yes. And uh, based on my Twitter, I've apparently convinced multiple people to check out the movie. It sounds pretty crazy. Um, but here's what I have. People tend to tweet at me like, hey, I'm going to watch The Witch Who Came From the Sea based on your recommendation. And then I never hear from them again. So I don't know if they're like hating Oh, they're it. dead now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's like the ring. Um <laughs> So I watched on uh, Amazon Prime. There's another movie by Matt Simber um, okay. from before the witch who came from the Z. It's called Lady Coco, and it is, uh, as you can probably guess from the title, uh, it is a black exploitation movie um, in which a uh, a woman who's a um, I guess the idea is that she was a prostitute and she's been arrested. She's in prison, but she's agreed to testify against her pimp slash organized crime sure. boss or whatever. Um, and so, um, a, uh, and she's a black woman mm-hmm. and then a young, uh, black cop gets, uh, um, the assignment of like taking her to Lake Tahoe where the trial is and then sort of keeping her protecting her it's like 16 blocks. Um, yeah, yeah. Does um, she do a voice like, um, uh, uh, does? No, she, she does. Have, I, I, I need to look up the woman's name cause she does have, uh, uh, delightful way of speaking. Like okay. and she's a fun creation, this character, because she's, um, uh, you know, she's a prostitute, but she considers herself like, you know, above other prostitutes. She thinks of herself as like this pimp that she's going to testify with. Yeah. It's like, he's her top, whatever. Right. Um, I'm sure there's an awful term for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh Lola Falana is the is the actress Fine. um and uh but she's also like well versed in philosophy and french literature um she has expensive tastes in food and clothes and very refined um anyway so basically it's just the she and this this cop and you know he's trying to keep her safe but she's like uh, you need to take me out and buy me new clothes. I can't walk around in these clothes. They're like, and he's, you know, on a cop salary, like he only has, he's like, here, here's $20 for a dress, but they're in Lake Tahoe. So they go to a casino mm-hmm. and she like walks up to a blackjack table and turns that $20 into $200 and yeah. like, uh, in, in like five minutes. Um, she's like, she's like, uh, I guess, I guess she's a sort of Mary Sue. Yeah. I was going to say, she's like it, Jack Reacher. She's just, yeah, she's but, good at all the things. But yeah. She's, delightful she is fun to watch the movie itself is kind of lame um and and of course it turns into an action movie when the uh the pimp finds out where she is and sure. comes after her um uh it's a fun lark it's also i think in modern terms there's a there's a part that struck me as uh quite a bit transphobic i think um 
maybe not par for the course surprising (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah um unfortunately uh it's definitely it didn't it come anywhere near the witch who came from the sea for me sure it it was uh it's it's a lark um and also the not that the witch who came from the sea on amazon looks amazing but this looks shitty if you watch Mm -hmm. on amazon prime it's it's bad it's a bad transfer Uh, or maybe you know maybe there's not a good film element left to transfer uh of this movie but they you know no one's doing any restoration on lady coco um so i can't uh, unfortunately i can't recommend it uh as highly as i recommended the witch who came from the sea well how could you yeah based on what you were saying last week um next up keeping with um african-american themed movies i watched what i think okay this is two weeks in a row that i'm going to say this because i said it about which came from the sea maybe one of my new all-time favorite movies sure 1943's stormy weather okay it's a musical with an all-black cast and lena horn is the okay uh, the lead the female lead bill robinson is the the male lead um it has it has a story. It doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, the story basically it takes place um, between the uh, the two world wars, essentially. Yeah. Um, and Bill Robinson plays a character who comes home from World War One, goes to New York City to look up the younger, the little sister, younger sister of his best friend who died with him when he was over in France with him, you know, mm-hmm. to like say, I knew your brother, or whatever. Turns out it's Lena Horn. She's like a cabaret singer or whatever. They fall in love. He joins the traveling show that she's a part of, but the guy who's like the band leader slash manager, like is also has a big thing like for mm-hmm. Lena Horn. And so he's constantly trying to keep Bill Robinson's character away doesn't matter it's basically just a string of musical the most sure. it's movie is i like to say when movies are short it's like 78 minutes mm-hmm. and it is just a, an excuse to string together a bunch of amazing amazing musical numbers yeah looking at uh, bill robinson here i see that he was uh, an older gentleman um he died, yeah, he died shortly after yeah, this for, movie this was 43 <clears throat> and then he died in 49 at oh, 71 okay. so nice. i don't know if he does a lot of does he do a lot of dancing yeah he does a lot of, a okay. Lot of tap okay great um, speaking of tap, the, the closing number, and this is not Bill Robinson in this point in this part, the, the, the closing number of stormy weather has two guys like in sort of, uh, synchronized tap dancing, like mm-hmm. all the way around, like across a nightclub, like over like tables and downstairs and stuff. And it is one of the most amazing dance mm-hmm. sequences I've ever seen in my life. Um, yeah, uh, it, this is like I said. It's seventy-eight minutes. It felt like about twenty-five because it go, it just zooms by. This movie is so so great. And it's interesting looking at the uh, the director Andrew L. Stone. Uh, it's it's this is one of those rare instances where he has made a number of films, and I don't think I've seen a single one. Um, I don't know. Maybe he just worked in like. Uh, B movies or lesser known films or something like that. But like, mm-hmm. as I, as I scroll through his filmography here, uh, yeah, I don't see anything that I have actually seen. Yeah. This might be my first of his as well. Yeah, it sure is. That's um, fascinating to me. That kind of thing that just certain people that just crank out and not crank out, but they put out movies pretty regularly and that like they've completely fallen through the cracks for me. Uh, yeah, that's a shame. Um, but you should check out stormy weather when you, when you get a chance. It sounds great. And it sounds like something that'd be fun to watch on the big screen. Sure. I watched it on my, I bet, I bet UCLA would do something like that. If I said, Hey guys, Tyler Smith, your battleship pretension. <laughs> uh, do you think you could do a big screen 
showing of stormy weather, I bet they'd say yes. There you go. All right. Uh, I'll show up. Uh, What did you watch? All right. So my one movie was Darren Aronofsky's Mother. You'll notice the exclamation point in my... Well, you... Because you have to walk a line because it's lowercase. Yeah. But it's an exclamation point. So it's not like, leap! Right. But it is like... So it's... Mother. Yeah. I guess that's... Mother. Mother. Yeah. I guess that's how you... Fancy seeing you here. (laughs) There you go. That's the implication, I would assume. Um, Yeah. Okay. So... A lot has been written, a lot has been said about Mother. Um, here's what I'll say. The movie is not for everyone, but I will, I will put this out there. If you're a listener of Battleship Retention, it's for you. Oh, okay. It, I want everyone to see it. Everyone that could appreciate it on any kind of level. You know, it, it was horrendous, I mean, horrendously mismarketed. Um, I, so I, I've been writing these... Tyler's right, takes. Uh, Tyler's takes this column, whatever you want to call it, um, and uh, and I talked a little bit about the the reaction to Mother, but I, and I told this story that is so fascinating. I had I I'd stayed largely ignorant of the film before I went to see it. Yeah, I had heard a lot of people say, "Hey, Tyler, you should see it, and you should do a more than one lesson episode about it." I'm like, "Okay, I've heard that before." So, and often it works out well. Um, so I went to see it. And it was the last showing of the night, and I was one of a handful of people in the theater. And so as I was leaving, um, the usher said, hey, did you like the movie? And I said, yes, I liked it very much. And he said, was it scary? And I was like, what? No. And I was really (laughs) confused. I had no idea why he would ask me that. Then I saw the trailer, Uh and I was like, oh, Oh, <laughs> this explains why the film has dropped, why the, the box office has dropped off precipitously. Um, because I think everyone thought like, oh, wow, this is going to be like this creepy, strange horror movie with mm-hmm. this all-star cast from the guy that made Requiem for a Dream and Black Swan. There is a sense of dread to it and a sense of inevitability that is tense, but no, I, I would never consider this a horror movie. There are horrific images from time to time. But yeah, it is definitely not that it is infinitely more interesting than mm. that. It is, uh, I think also in that article I said, it's like a, a the nightmarish answer to, uh, Terrence Malick. It feels a lot like that. Um, exciting. It is marvelous in a lot of ways. You know, there, there is an allegory, um, that incorporates a lot of, uh, Christian imagery and there's a clear, uh, there's a clear God, there's a clear Adam and Eve and that kind of thing. Uh, and I like how it handles a lot of that allegory. There are some instances where like, it doesn't bother me that a film, I don't think it needs to be a one-to-one, uh, comparison as far as allegory goes Mm -hmm. for it to be an effective allegory. Um, but I love the performances. I think it's visually beautiful. And I was just, it was just invigorating. I was, I was like, I was, my eyes were glued to the screen the whole time, which admittedly they are for most of the time, but uh, for any time I see a film, uh, I'm not just looking around like a child. Um, (laughs) but I was just, I was always excited to see what happened next. I don't think it's a perfect film, but as you know, there are movies that I think are better than perfect because they're ambitious Mm -hmm. and the director seems to be trying to work something out. I think I had heard in the past that Darren Aronofsky is an atheist and if I heard that and I saw this film, I would say, mm, I don't know. 
Okay. I'd say this is a, the the work of an agnostic who's trying to get some stuff straight for himself. Um, it is a, a really, I say marvelous film. I don't necessarily mean for that to be a reflection of the quality of the film, though that is there. It's marvelous because it's just so present. It's just, it refuses to be passive. It's always there demanding your attention and then often rewarding it. Um, I would love to know what you think of it. Um, I know you're not a big Aronofsky fan. Um, no, but I'm definitely uh, interested in seeing this movie. I want to know what everyone thinks. Yeah. You know, um, I was talking today with my uh, with my pastor and I said, Hey, have you seen, and he's not that much of a movie guy, but I said, Hey, have you seen mother yet? And he goes, he goes, no, I've heard a lot about it. I said, you should see it. And then maybe let's all talk about it for a month at church. What do you say? (laughs) Um, but yeah, it's, I was really happy. I saw it and I was, and I should say I was happy. I saw it in the theater as well because there's some good sound design that I think would probably be lost, uh, in at home. So check it out. Uh, uh, while you can, because it probably won't be yeah. at all those theaters for Do that you long. Think that, okay, this is a question that I almost hate myself for asking because I normally don't care about this kind of stuff because okay. you and I do this fantasy awards league thing, which you at home can participate in or not in ours. You can start your own uh, very soon. We're going to put the... No, let's have them uh, do ours. Let's see uh, no. if we can get like 55 people <laughs> doing this yeah. thing. No, um, you can start your own league. Um, we'll have stuff there. We're aiming for the end of September, um, October 1st, to have the stuff on the website. Um, uh, feel free to make a suggested donation if you're going to, you know, a lot of yeah. people put a lot of work into this. Anyway, that's not the point. Here's my question. Do you think Paramount is going to pull back on the reins on the awards campaigning for this movie because of the the reaction, the yes, public reaction. I do. Okay. I think if they had marketed it differently, released it in October, November, I think they would have a good shot at a number of probably technical awards okay, uh, or nominations, specifically art direction. Um, but there's some good performances in there as well. Um, but yeah, now I think if they know what's good for them, and I, that sounds like a threat, <laughs> but uh, I think that they would, they'd hold off and be like, this, this film is a non-starter for, uh, for audiences for, and it's probably too risky for Oscar audiences as well. Okay. Um, just keeping that in mind, obviously, since you yeah. and I, we have our draft coming up soon. All right. Uh, last movie for me um, that I can talk about. Um, I watched yeah. uh, <laughs> on Netflix. I watched the new uh, Angelina Jolie joint. First, they killed my father. OK. Um, which is the true story of uh, Luang Ung, who um, was a. Um, the child of a government worker when the Khmer Rouge took over in Cambodia and they sort of had to leave their home and go work essentially as slave labor in the fields. And then, um, uh, you, you know, if you listen to what the title was, you can imagine what happens. Yeah. Uh, and then she sort of, um, ends up becoming a, like a child soldier in the Khmer Rouge, um, army. Um, and then she goes up to be an activist. That's, you know, not a part of the movie, the whole movie is uh, as a kid. Um, and I think it's, uh, it's really skillfully made. I think Angelina Jolie continues to, um, to improve, uh, as a director, especially when she is not focused on plot mechanics. I think that in unbroken, there was way too much of that, I think. And that kind of like, 
um, really ground things to a halt for me. I haven't seen by the sea. I really need to see it because I know a lot of, I know a lot of people hate it, but like enough people that I really trust really like by the sea. So I need to see it. Um, this one is very skillfully made and shot by Anthony Dodd mantle. You can't go wrong, uh, with Anthony Dodd mantle, um, 28 days, um, later, sorry, not 20 days, 20 days later. Okay. Um, some millionaire, yeah. like, As, like you had yeah. like, 28 days. I mean, it's a fine film, I guess. Yeah. I don't remember <laughs> being particularly visually interesting. No, um, he's, I think he's probably best known for his work with Danny Boyle, but he okay. also just, I guess just two years ago shot, um, in the heart of the sea or that Ron Howard movie that wasn't very good, but it looks awesome. It looks great. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. He, he's a really interesting, I think um, I wound up having that for my, uh, my cinematography, uh, thing. Cause people were suggesting and I think it got me like one point somewhere. <laughs> um, I, I, I'll, I'll say this. I think the movie sort of counterintuitively loses steam in the second half as it becomes more, of a war movie. Like, like you'd think in the second half when it's more like when she's joined, you know, she's a child soldier and people getting like blown up by mines and she's yeah. like learning to shoot and stuff. You think, Oh, that's where all the action is. But really it's too much of her, of Angelina Julie just hitting these benchmarks. The first half of the movie, which is, uh, I guess this is a, I don't know, it's in the title, you know, they killed the father. It's in the yeah. name of the movie, the, but the name of the, movie, you know, the fact that it says first they killed my father actually kind of, uh, is a trick because it's, it's half of halfway through the movie before it happens. Mm. And that first half is really brilliant stuff. Um, because it's less about the, like what's happening. It's not trying to be instructive to you about the Khmer Rouge. It's like, it's just about this girl's point of view. It's like, it's like a uh, ET in that the entire movie cool. takes place from a child's point of view. Um, uh, but just we, the, the scenes where you're seeing her father through her eyes and knowing what's going to happen, obviously um, is really touching and really moving. And that's, it kind of, that, that's what cradles you through all the sort of plot points is this girl's relationship to her mother, her siblings, and most importantly, her, her father. And Mm. she doesn't entirely understand what's going on around her. You know, she's a very young girl and this is a very drastic thing that's happening. Um, but we don't see her like, we're not looking, we're not condescending to her being confused. Right. Like we're not saying like, Oh, poor thing. She's so confused because we are her. We're Mm. confused too. Uh, and it's, it's really brilliant. Um, uh, but again, it's, that's for the first half. The second half is still well-made. Like it's not a bad movie at all, but it does kind of when it, when it gets more into like the biopic type stuff of like, you know, of her becoming a child soldier and, and and then running away from the army. Like it's, it just feels kind of a little more perfunctory. Boy. Uh, yeah, it's weird having not seen also not seen, by the sea, um, and hearing from people that I trust that it's very good and also not doubting it because that is while there are, you know, there's always a plot, even if it's like character beats, but that's all like character stuff Mm -hmm. because I saw her first film and reviewed it. And then I saw unbroken and it is strange. I feel like her career as a director is like the, the best argument you can make for a film looking good and being technically proficient is not actually enough uh-huh. 
yeah. you know, I, like I'm, I'm somebody who I've, I've tried to over the last few years, I've tried to get to a point where I recognize that it's not all about story and character, uh, especially if a film is not interested in that. Uh, but I also recognize that if a story is interested in that, then it can look great. Her films always look great. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's just, I don't know if it's a pacing thing. I think you said perfunctory. I think that's completely right. Um, there are elements to unbroken that are very effective. They're almost always character elements. Um, and then it's like, and then she moves on as if to say like, all right, everybody let's keep going. And mm-hmm. like, as if she's like a tour guide yeah. through the story. Yeah. That's um, a, that's a great but, uh, analogy. So yeah, I need to see by the sea where she yeah is freed from that. But, um, maybe by the sea is it, but I do feel like Angelina Jolie has a great film in her. Uh, We just haven't seen it yet. Maybe maybe it's by the sea. Um, that's, that's it for movies, right? Yes. But I should say everybody. Uh, so if you go to battleshipretention.com, you'll see on the side that there is a new batch of commentaries available. We call them our eaten alive commentaries in which we talk about jaws, tremors jurassic park and anaconda uh we recorded it over the weekend it was a a great deal of fun and so those are available uh each one individually for three dollars or ideally you buy all of them for 10 uh we do offer them individually but yeah but you save money if you buy all of them and also we recorded them that way for a reason yes we record them all day we get yes how uh, else are you going to be completely exasperated by our jokes uh (laughs) unless you watch all of them in a row um yeah if you were to just listen to the anaconda one you'd like half of it would be us talking about stuff you wouldn't understand because it's a conversation that's been building all day yeah also Um, what the hell is wrong with you if you're buying the anaconda <laughs> commentary but you're skipping out on jaws and jurassic park yeah um although it was a lot of fun talking about tremors as well as yeah, it always yeah. is as tremors it always is, is tremors is great um, um it, that was so much fun um i loved i love doing these this was the first one in your new place uh, yeah worked out well i think so i think uh i need to buy fewer snacks next time because i think I disagree oh, okay. um, because the, what I'm saying, a lot of them are left over and then oh, my wife okay. and I get to eat them. Oh, okay. So Never I mind. think it works out fine. Cause it was just because of the layout, the snacks are sort of away from, so people aren't like grazing as much yes. as they were at the old place. At the old place, like people that arrived early could just kind of hang out at the table eating while hearing what we're saying. Whereas now the two rooms are separate. Yes. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's uh that's an off mic type of conversation, indeed. but yeah, the, these are available. Uh, you'll see it on the right sidebar. It says eaten alive, yeah. uh, on at battleship retention.com. And like Tyler said, by the, you know, you buy the $10 batch. Yeah. That's the way it's supposed to go. And this is by the way. So I know, you know, we, we do have sponsors and that kind of thing. And that is how we make our, our money primarily through, uh, battleship retention, but stuff like this, you know, the $10 that you spend for about eight hours of content, which I think is probably a pretty good deal. But beyond that, like that $10 goes towards, you know, sending David to Sundance, uh, and that kind of thing. So it does go back into getting you more content. Um, you know, this very seldom goes into our pockets unless it's some kind of per diem situation because we are out of town trying to find more content. So yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Um, this, yeah, this will help us like, yeah. Like Tyler said, help get me to Sundance, get us to Comic-Con, get, uh, keep Scott fed at AFI fest. Yeah. We should probably um, downplay the Comic-Con thing because, uh, apparently nobody likes that coverage at all except us. Um, yeah, maybe we should stop going No. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I still, you know what? I still I had enjoy a blast it. this year. I yeah, I still enjoy it, and people do seem to. Sometimes they're interested in pan, in the panels, but I think more than than anything, like trying to go to or in some cases early early screenings of like a tv show that is going to be debuting yeah, yeah. or a movie i think people do seem to like that at least based on the numbers and clicks and stuff again an off mic discussion all right but, but yeah so that's how that's that is one of the ways and uh, that you can support the show and you also get something you out get a that's ton the of idea. Sh- like we said it was, it was a ton of fun we hope we, th- we think you'll have a ton of fun listening to it yeah uh speaking of tv as you were when we talked about comic-con um I, I, I don't recall. <laughs> uh, the only thing I, I want to, I mean, I'm still watching, um, you know, stuff that's, that's going on. I haven't had a chance to watch the new, um, the good place. Cause the good place season two started last right. night. And it was um, a two parter, I believe. Right. Uh, oh, was it? I haven't even looked at my DVR. Yeah. Um, uh, so the only thing new that I've watched and I'm not even caught up cause two episodes of air and I only watched the first one, but the new, um, David Simon show, the deuce on HBO. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the pilot is feature length. It's like 89 minutes okay. uh, long. So that's why I haven't watched the second one. Cause yeah. the first one was long enough. No, I'm kidding. I, I like that. I'm going to stick with it. Um, it's, uh, I, I think it's, um, I don't know if this is just me, but what I knew going into, I knew it had something to do with like sex work and porn, mm-hmm. but I also knew first and foremost that it was a movie where James Franco was playing brothers a dual role i did not know that oh see that's like all i that was like the main thing Mm. i knew about it and so i was i went in as you can imagine a little skeptical yes in general when someone's playing a dual role it's like earn it when it's james franco it's like i'm already assuming it's going to be showy yeah um that's not fair to him i actually it's like a reminder that oh yeah he's a good actor um he's good in this and also what i didn't realize is it's much more of an ensemble okay um much like the wire or Treme, Treme especially was very much an ensemble, but the wire had sort of a nominal like lead in McNulty, yeah. but even like that kind of went away. But they, yeah. They even like brought him down in like season four. Yeah, he's barely in and, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's, that's kind of the, that's kind of what this is. It's much more. So it takes place in New York in the early 1970s, mostly around times square where there's prostitutes and, um, and so a lot of the, characters are prostitutes and and pimps. And then James Franco plays a, um, struggling father of two, uh, who has a, like, uh, not a happy marriage and is like working two jobs as a bartender, Mm -hmm. um, just to provide for his kids or, or whatever. Um, and one of the bars he works at is like in, in times square. Uh, and from what I understand, it's the movie is going to get into pornography. It's not there yet, but it is very much about, um, about sex work. It's very much about prostitutes and pimps. That's, um, that's, that's the main, uh, the main thing. Uh, it has a bunch of wire, uh, alum, or at least two off the top of my head. Um, Dion, D'Angelo Barksdale plays, plays a cop this time around. Um, and then, uh, Chris from the wire, um, you know, the, the killer, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, he plays one of the pimps. Okay. Um, and then, uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal is in it. She's, uh, a prostitute. She's the, the, the lone, uh, well, the only one we know, the only prostitute in the, on the show who doesn't have a pimp. So it's kind of like part mm. of her story is that she has to be her independent contract. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and, um, uh, yeah, I think there are a couple things that I rolled my eyes at. Like, I think sometimes it gets a little too lascivious. Uh, it's like, okay, we know that this is a show about sex work. Like, 
I don't think that uh, that shot like uh, you know there's a there's a part where one of the James Franco's is walking down the street and he sees a guy getting a blowjob in a phone booth and he like recognizes the prostitute and he says oh hey whatever and she like stops what she's doing and turns around and is like hey hey frankie or hey uh hey i think it's frankie it's vincent and frankie the two i can't remember mm-hmm. which one's which um that to me seems like come on <laughs> like she, she's got a job to do and i think <laughs> no, but she's it's also it just felt very contrived and yeah. unrealistic um uh uh i'll say this a novel way of telling the two brothers apart because they both have essentially the same haircut and they both have mustaches. Yeah. So you think it's going to be tough. One is wearing a fat suit. Like one is 300 pounds. <laughs> no, what happens in the opening scene, the one who's, um, the, who I talked about, who's the main of the brother, the, who's, mm. who's like trying to, um, you know, who's working two jobs or whatever while his other brother is out, uh, gambling and owing money all over town. Yeah. Um, anyway, in the, in like the opening scene, he gets mugged and gets like, pistol whipped and so he has a huge like gash on his forehead so for the rest of the pilot he's yeah. got like a you know a, a scar forming on his forehead and that's like that's how you tell them apart that reminds me of that ray romano bit do you remember where because no. he has twin boys and he was talking about how uh uh there was a time when he and his wife left his mother in charge of the boys uh-huh. while they went away he and his wife went away for the weekend and uh when he came back uh, he said, hey, did everything go well? It's like, absolutely. And I had no problem telling him apart because, you know, Gregory or whatever, like, uh, has a scratch on his on his nose. And just like, hmm, I don't remember that scratch being there beforehand. Uh-huh. As if to say, like, and then it goes, I remember this from Dr. Cat. So it goes into, like, his mom being like, okay, goodbye, everybody. Scratch. <laughs> it's like, okay, so Gregory has a scratch on his nose and is a crybaby. Um <laughs> That's Man, funny. Ray Romano. I say used to, like I was he's, about to say used to like, yeah. he's genuinely very funny and just a very effective performer yeah. in general. And now he's on uh, get shorty, which just got uh, renewed for a second season. Did it? Yeah. I would like to watch it. It doesn't seem that, and I like him. I like Chris O'Dowd. Like I, th- oh. and I like the tone of get shorty. I think if we they talked, strike it. I think we talked off mic cause we I did. watched the first episode. Yes. And I think uh, my, what I said to you about the get shorty pilot was like in the age of peak TV, you got to try harder. Like get yeah. short, it's not bad. Yeah. Like something about it that's bad, but, um, there's just like, there's too much TV that's good for yeah. me to recommend that people watch get shorty. <laughs> yeah. Uh, funny story. We're not, by the way, get shorty is not a, the show I was going to talk about. No, but we do have to transition to your show after your story. Um, I got nothing more to say about the deuce is what I'm saying. So Jen has a friend who worked, I believe in the costume department of get shorty. And, uh, she was telling Jen about like, Oh, here's what I'm working on right now. And then said, uh, it's this show called get shorty. It's based on a movie, I guess. I don't know. And then Jen, I, I feel very proud of her because Jen wasn't much of a movie person before, but she has so absorbed, not merely my love of film, but my judgment of others. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's just like, it was a huge movie in the mid nineties. It was one of like, it, it, it kind of solidified John Travolta's comeback and you're working on a show that is based on this fairly high profile movie. How, how old is this person? It must be young to not mid remember. To late twenties. That's not 
Yeah, yeah like that's you not were too around young. when Get Shorty came out. Like, yeah. it was a big movie. It was. It did very well. Um, but yeah. I guess. But you know what? Here's the thing. Here's here's where I think it might fall into is that. So that was ninety five, and if this person is young enough, and this person like myself grew up in a Christian household and it's entirely possible that this person was not, did not have the, I would say movie savvy parents that I was lucky enough to have. Mm-hmm. And so this R rated movie, like what that's apparently very violent. And, and of course Pulp Fiction had all this uh, baggage uh, with it as far as being like, you know, ultra violent and all that yeah. kind of thing. So I could see it being a, a film that was not on her radar at all at the time and probably not her parents radar either. Yeah. And to the degree that it was, it was, we can't let her see this. Right. So it could no, that be makes that. Sense. That makes sense. So I forget that Get Shorty is a violent movie. It is a violent movie, but it, it's it so is, funny. It seems cartoonishly yeah. so to me, but then yeah. like that scene where that scene where, uh, Ray bones is beating up, uh, uh, Gene, H- Harry yeah. Zim, you know, he's not shooting anybody, but like that is a genuinely violent scene and yeah. a rough one as well. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen Get Shorty in a while. It's uh, I've watched uh, it fairly recently. Yeah, by that I mean like within the last two years. I guess. Sure. Uh, yeah. Time, David. We're getting older. As enough. we get older, Look, yeah. You, you just turned thirty-five. I just two turned years, thirty-five. You know, yeah. two years is just the other day for you. Yeah. But, All right. Let's finish up with your TV show that you watched. Now, David, I know that this is probably an off-air discussion. Are those new glasses? Um, I mean, or have I only just now started noticing? I mean, they're not, uh, they're probably like a month old. Okay. Two All months. Right. I'll take it. Yeah. I, yeah. I will. That's recent enough for me to say good for me for noticing. Um, <laughs> anyway, sorry everybody. Uh, okay. So David, here's the show that I watched. Okay. Last night. All of it. Um, if it were, a, it's my favorite thing I've watched all year long. Oh, were it a movie, it would be my favorite movie. It is American Vandal. Oh, really? How many episodes is this? Eight. Okay. And I there went thirty-minute episodes. Forty-five. Oh, wow. I went in expecting, understandably so, that it would be like kind of a a, a send-up of yeah, that's my understanding. Making a murder, and it is that, but only to a point. Like eventually it starts, it starts out being funny and you wind up kind of judging all of these characters being like, okay, this guy's dumb. This guy's a liar, that kind of thing. And it's, and it is very amusing. And of course the crime at the core of all of it is very amusing, uh, where, and it's all, it's a mockumentary. It's completely. Okay. Cause I didn't know, you know, there was a, um, I didn't listen to it, but there was like a multi-part podcast called what happened to pizza at McDonald's that was like, let's take a serial type approach great. to the brief part of time for like period of time that McDonald's offered pizza. <laughs> I didn't listen to it, but it sounds awesome. I am going to listen to that now. <laughs> um, and so like I recently talked about that show wrecked, which is sort of a, a parody right, yeah. of lost. And I feel like you can only parody something that is good. I think it, this is especially true of TV because you have to keep going. Right. Yeah. You can only parody something that is good and effective for so long before you start to fall into it. And then suddenly, Hmm, that sh- that particular episode wasn't that funny, but I'm really engaged. Uh-huh. American Vandal winds up being this fascinating meditation on high school, on gossip, on insecurity, on personal identity. Um, it is right up there. Like, it's not this, 
but the fact like it's using the, this making a murderer serial type of of tone and structure it's using that but in a high school context so it's like okay it reminded me of brick which used film noir in mm-hmm. a high school context and so there's a breathless seriousness to everything um there's tremendous character development and then and what i did not expect is that around episode five well now the in the world of american vandal this kid has been making this documentary series and just putting it up on vimeo so by the time episode five comes around people have been watching episodes one through four and in some cases this makes his investigation easier in some cases much harder um and so it also is this interesting exploration of like art and the way it perpetuates itself, but the, but also the way that it's completely exploitative in other ways. Um, and the degree to which we're all comfortable with it, exploiting people, especially in the name of finding the truth. Um, I don't want to spoil too much. It is wonderfully written, beautifully acted, um, shifting sympathies and then after a while you realize you sympathize with pretty much everybody um because you remember what it was like for you in high school and just Mm -hmm. even characters that are just kind of like like there's this kind of wormy guy who uh is kind of known to lie for attention which i feel like instinctively we look at just like oh he's just lying to boost himself you know to get attention it's just like but and I don't know if this is just me, but I do feel like after a certain point, like I just feel bad for him. I don't dislike him. I feel bad for him. Mm-hmm. And that happens over and over again. And it winds up being this fascinating little high school drama that also is a mystery. It is absolutely marvelous. And I remember Who was involved in this, some funnier die people. That's basically it. I didn't really recognize anybody. I mean, all of the actors have been in tons of stuff in the last, you know, 10 years. Um, and, uh, just not stuff that I'm aware of because it's been right. like Disney channel stuff. Cause they're all fairly young. Oh, okay. Um, but, uh, friend of the show, Jason Eakin, uh, called it a masterpiece and I'd say it's, uh, it's a, it's a fair assessment. And he was not a big fan of the show. 13 reasons why. And okay. he said that American Vandal, this weird mockumentary, it, it is everything that 13 Reasons Why tries to be. Wow. Um, That's high praise. Yeah. And so... Um, I think. I haven't watched 13 Reasons Why, but based on uh, my understanding. Yeah. Um, I cannot recommend it highly enough. Um, I absolutely adore it. I feel like I'm going to go back and rewatch it because I did watch it all at once, mm-hmm. um, which was time consuming, but I couldn't help it. Like I <laughs> wanted to, I wanted to get to the bottom of the mystery and I wanted to spend more time with these characters. Um, it is uh, a real achievement and it's the kind of thing that, you know, I, I don't, especially with the Emmys, I don't spend much time thinking about what should or shouldn't be nominated, but this is the kind of thing that like, because yeah. of what it is, I feel like it won't get any kind of Emmys push, but it should, it is so complete. Um, and I think everyone should watch it and I think you would enjoy it as well. Cool. Um, buy our commentaries.